Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CISO Talk, where we talk to CISOs and about topics that CISOs are interested in, but that you're interested in as well. Today's CISO Talk focuses on the expanding role of the CISO in many organizations. Um, don't want to get too far down the path without introducing our panel. And I think it's going to be a great discussion. And first of all, I want to introduce you to, and I, if I mispronounce it, Prasad, I, I do the best I can here. Um, Prasad Ramakrishnan. You got it right. I, you know, it's not that it's hard to say, Prasad, but I have your name up on the board out there on the monitor. I could barely read without putting my glasses on. So I apologize, <laughs> but good. I'm glad I got it. Prasad, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely, Alan. Um, um, hello, everyone. Prasad Ramakrishnan. I'm the CIO and uh, CISO of uh, Freshworks, a customer and employee engagement uh, product company. Um, we are a 10-year-old company um, solving the problem for customers in the customer and em employee engagement space. Prasad, thank you. Next up, we have, and again, Julie, I apologize, I'm by Julie Cullivan. Hi, yes, Julie Cullivan, you got it. All right. Hi, Julie Cullivan, yeah, I am the former um, Chief People Officer and Chief Technology Officer at Forescout. I just recently left in January, um, but I've worked at several security companies over the years and both at FireEye and Forescout was responsible for all of IT as well as all of security. So I look forward to the conversation. I think you're perfect for this conversation. <laughs> and then joining Prasad and Julie are my two co-hosts. First of all, let me introduce Mitchell Ashley, CEO of uh, Accelerated Strategies Group, as well as CTO at MediaOps. Mitchell, welcome. Good to be here and, and we love our panel. Hello, everybody. Hey, yep. And we should mention Mitchell also wears the CISO hat I at do. MediaOps. So, you know, continuing a trend. And then continuing that trend is, is my co-host, uh, our friend Matt Newfield, Matthew Newfield, who uh, in previous episodes was the CIO of of uh, Unisys, but now has another hat too, Matt. Why don't you break the news? Hey, how are you, everybody? Uh, again, Matthew Newfield. I was the CISO at Unisys, and now I am what we are calling the CSIO, or the Chief Security and Infrastructure Officer, which is a combination of CIO and CISO. So I now wear both hats for our corporation. And as always, it's great to be here. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations, you. Matt. That's awesome. So you switched the I and the S. It was I think a we need to come up with I think we need to come up with a new acronym, right? Uh, the combined there you go. And we need to come up with a brand new acronym. Yes. CSIO. Now, how do you pronounce CSIO? And I'm like, seriously, now that's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. So, so folks, welcome and thank you for joining us today. I, I have to tell you, as an observer and participant in the security space now for 20 plus years, I, I sit here and I'm a little bit amazed that the CISO role has reached such heights. I remember fighting with people about whether there should be something called a CISO. And I remember many organizations thought of a CISO as really a, a glorified security admin who they brought in to maybe architect or set up their security architecture and posture, and then wanted to push them back down to an admin. And if they didn't, 
hit the road, right? We, we, we got what we needed out of it. The average CISO stayed in for 12 months, 18 months stops, right? Um, so sitting here today and, and seeing the four of you wearing the CISO hat as well as multiple important hats, running IT, running people, running infrastructure at major companies is it's gratifying, right? It's pro I, I think it's progress. Is it progress? Prasad, what do you think? Yeah. So if, if you look at the, uh, uh, the, 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 the symptom that you're talking about, where uh, making it top down, where the, the role of the CISO in, in some companies where they come up and uh, define the sets of processes and then push it down and then expect admins to, uh, to actually do the stuff is, is the wrong way to do it, right? If you look at the role of the CISO, um, I look at the role of the CISO to be more like the risk guardians of the company, right? It's the job of the CISO to, um, to educate, to make aware, and to, uh, and to honestly have an intellectually honest conversation about where we are from an overall security posture perspective and make the constituents, of, uh, constituents aware, right? Whether it's internal to the company or external to the company, right? So uh, making it more like an afterthought function is the wrong way to do it. And I think that's where some companies have um, had a disastrous result. If you make it part of your DNA where you are going to think about security and be intellectually honest about it and look at the role as a, as a risk guardian, then all the kind of pieces start falling into place where everybody knows why they're highlighting what they're highlighting, why they're asking you to do phishing exercises, why they're asking you to do ship security left and so on. It, it kind of then starts resonating is, uh, is what I would say. It's, I'll jump in on that. So, I mean, I, I completely agree with, with what Prasad's saying. I guess the one thing I would say is that I think most companies would say, oh, security is really important to us. Oh, yeah, we've got a security DNA. And I mean, I think it really all is not the words, it's the actions. And, you know, what do they do not just to organizationally make it a priority, but how do they they become a champion at that level, you know, across the organization and not make it the, the CISO's job to to be the only one sort of trying to champion these things. But I would also say that um, because of everything that's going on right now in the world, not just from a threat perspective, but more importantly, from a customer assurance and most companies now delivering a big part of whatever it is that they do via some sort of service, that this is just not something that you can ignore anymore and that the CISO role has evolved into not just being about internally making sure this company is protected and we're minimizing risk, but that we're minimizing risk for our customers and, and, and they trust us, right, with their important data or their important, uh, you know, work processes, et cetera. So I feel like <clears throat> as much as the right words were being said, that the really it became real when it was like customers were like, I'm not buying this until I talk to the CISO. Mm -hmm. and, and look, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's the, the big morphing. And I think what the one of the larger shifts for this function, this role, this concept in corporations, um, and it was a learning experience for a lot of executives that don't have a security background is they would take the smartest security person in the room that they had and say, okay, now you're responsible. But those people didn't have business experience. And, and to what both Prasad and Julie were really talking about here is you need someone who understands business, who has really good communication skills, can see the threat landscape for what it is, 
and is not the typical office of the no executive. And, and, you know, there's many of us have been in that world where you've talked to the person and said, that's not acceptable. It used to be the old joke about lawyers. If corporate mm-hmm. lawyers were, you know, what do I have to do to make my weekend better? So if I have to say no, I say no. And for me, when I joined this organization at my last organization, to Prasad, your point, my job was to root risk out. That's what I did. I rooted risk out. I still do that. Even in my new combined function, I root risk out. I like to present options. And it's back to the business because we are an enabling function. We're not a prevention function. There's a quote I love, which is prevention is dead, long live response, which mm-hmm. is exactly to what you said. I can't stop bad things from happening because unfortunately, and I think Prasad said fishing, uh, people like to click the links. I don't know why they love to click. <laughs> they, they, we did an episode on this. They click stuff all the time and it makes us crazy. So what are you going to do about it? Because you're not going to stop them. If 60 plus percent of people around the world like to click the links, what makes you so special that your culture is nobody clicks any link? Cause it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think, Two, also the role has evolved right along with the organization. When Al and I worked, started working together in the early 2000s, security people were like monks. They were sort of hold off into corners of the organization, spoke language and used tablets that people didn't understand. Now it's a boardroom conversation, right? It's a critical part of business. And you talk about response, Matt. I know you've had many discussions with board with your board. Just knowing you and being part of this show with you, how often you interact with the board. At the same time, Julie, your point about our businesses are accelerating the pace that they're gone digital, and they're not going to slow down. They're just going to keep rapidly growing, growing. What every interaction. All of that data, all those systems, customer information, trust with the customer, it, it is a central role. So, and it makes sense to combine it or make it part of a function that's enabling the delivery of so much of those goods as opposed to an adjunct thing that's, you know, it all depends on how the CISO and the CCIO work together, which isn't usually going to be good. <laughs> Well, in engineering, right? I mean, I think that's the one thing, right? Like we spent all these years talking about, you know, the CIO-CISO relationship and was there the right partnership? Was there the right prioritization? That kind of stuff, because we know, you know, it's one thing to architect it. It's something else to manage, maintain it, support it, you know, deploy it. But the engineering relationship, I think, is where I probably have... um, you know, learn the most in terms of, hey, it can't be a conversation about no, but it also can't always be a yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not just because of the risk you create for the organization, but it's also because of the the compliance requirements we all now have against us, right? So for a long time in tech, right, it was more of a, oh, yeah, we're yeah, yeah, we we operate under, you know, whatever, NIST, whatever, but now you're actually being audited against those things. So there is this element and balance where we have to be there to solve problems. We have to be there to accelerate the business. We have to do what's right. But there are going to be some times where it's, look, we're going to have to we're going to have to rethink these things, you know, if we want to continue to maintain some of these strict compliance. And one can argue whether all those checkboxes work or not. That's a separate price session or podcast, but it's the reality, right? It can't always be yes anymore either. So sorry, I went on for a while. Oh, and and okay. 
we should really dive into that because I think it's going to tie to Alan, what Alan, you were talking about at the beginning and what we were talking about prior to doing the recording here, where, where does this sit because of these complexities, but you tie into a very interesting point because there's a massive culture shift. You are correct in the past. If you wanted to do SDLC, right, and that was that buzzword, you'd put these gates in and you would go to the cyber person, whomever that was, and go, check it, checked, next, checked, next. But you had said something pre-recording where, you know, a lot of customers now are looking at you for those assurances. And how are you going to provide them if the person, Alan, to your point earlier, that is responsible for cybersecurity is so far down the stack or disconnected. You know, I, I sit on a couple of advisory boards and it, it just rang a big bell where this company's CISO came on and talked about their org. And he said a couple of things where one of the other members of the advisory board said, well, let me get this straight. You have nothing to do with the development of the product we're here to talk about. And he's like, no. And they said, then get off the call. Get us a cyber executive that's responsible for the security. And there was no one. And now you have a problem, right? So to your to your point. Yeah, that's the whole the, um, aspect of uh, places where they're looking at security as an afterthought, Matt. What you're bringing up is I just need to uh, kind of check the boxes and there is no shortage of TLAs, the, the, the three-letter acronyms, right? The CISO's office is known for the, the biggest set of all the three-letter acronyms that we can um, we can imagine, right? And it's not about checking off those boxes. It's about how you integrate into the way work gets done, in the way product gets developed, in the way employees engage with the rest of the services, right? So, um, and I think that's where it's, it's, it's super critical where it's not seen as an afterthought, but as part of the design of the various things that uh, that needs to happen. And that's where the CISOs need to get integrated with product development, um, get integrated with marketing as it comes to uh, talking about your security posture with the external uh, with the external world. Um, with HR, in terms of the way you drive down uh, compliance as a way of thinking for the employees, where the amount of time, because if you look at the weakest link in the chain, it's our employees, right? We can put the world's best tools how do you stop up an employee from going and clicking on that link and then exposing either a ransomware or a malware into the into the network, right? So th they are the weakest link. So how do you get the CISO integrating with, with employees, integrating with engineering, with product, with marketing, so that now you're making a difference? And that's why it's so hard. And one of the reasons we love having you to here um, is because it's a culture thing as well. If we're the office of no and people look at you as the, I think, Mitch, you said it, the monk, which I can tell you nobody's ever said that about me. <laughs> I didn't know you back then. <laughs> you don't go to that office because they say no, right? Don't go to them because they make things expensive or hard instead of where we're starting to see that cultural shift of, no, 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 you have to go to that office, even if it's just for the, and I excuse the three-letter acronym, but the CYA, right, to cover yourself, but it's to make sure that we do things that don't expose our clients and our employees and our company to, to unnecessary risk. That's a culture shift. And it takes someone who has a lot of experiences like you both have been around the block, have tried a lot of different things, know what it's like to be on both sides of that, to be able to help change that culture. I think it's a big deal. I mean, it, I mean, it is. And, and in fact, you know, I'm on, I'm on the board of one company where, um, 
Not so much that there was some sort of cultural issue, but in fact, the CISO rolls up to the chief product officer, right? Because the fundamental of the business is the technology and the services that they deliver. And, um, you know, when they kind of looked at, hey, what, how do we prioritize um, thinking security first as it relates to, right? Because they have devices as well as services, you know, so you've got, you know, hardware, you've got software, you know, and it makes sense for them, right? Because so much of the conversation needs to be around that. And it doesn't mean that he's not teamed with the CIO to make sure that all the right security controls are in place as it relates to the corporate security side of things. But if you really look at where he's needing to spend most of his time and energy and really be embedded, it's on the product side. And so that really works well for them. You know, Al, I think it goes back to the conversation for really here is where does uh, a CISO sit? And, and we were having some fun again before the recording of, well, it can't sit here. It must sit here. It can't be there. It's got to be here. And, it, you know, Julie, I think that's the big question is, is there one place the CISO should sit? And I'll just throw out and say no uh, and see if people disagree. But it's, it's no, it depends on the organization, but it ties back to what you were just saying. And the root of it is there's a culture. It's a good culture. The culture will decide where that function is needed the most and how high that function is in the, the organization. Yeah, or it can have the most influence too. I think that's an impact results, right? The response. Absolutely. I mean, yes, I, I worked I, in environments where it has been part of the CIO, right? it's a combined CIO, CISO role. And I've been in situations where the CISO role is completely um, um, in, in, a, in a separate pillar, right? Mm -hmm. The advantage of kind of uh, looking at a model where the CIO and CISO are, are, in one, um, are in one seat is the, if you look at the role of the CIO, the CIO uh, influences everything that happens within the organization, right? The whole technology infrastructure, the application infrastructure, the analytics infrastructure, governance, risk control from an IT perspective. And if you look at the synergies between that and what you're looking at from a security perspective, um, keeping in mind that if it's a product organization, the CISO interacts a lot with engineering and product and in, in influencing how product gets built and how product gets delivered in a high trust um, um, environment to our customers, because that's the that's the information that we are uh, um, that, that we are protecting. The technology that the CISO is managing indirectly is the technology that the CIO is actually deploying, right? Um, be it the uh, the server farm or the end user computing devices or all the things, right? So bringing both of them together gives you that automatic synergy, right? Where uh, sometimes it's the left side of my brain uh, fighting with the right side of the brain saying, okay, how do I deal with this? Because it's now a conflict between the CISO side of my role and the CIO side of the role. But that's that's an interesting dynamic, Matt, um, right? It only happens on days that end with Y with me, where you have to, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really rough balance because you want speed <laughs> deployment, functionality, you want flash for, you know, it's it's very hard to go in front of an executive board or executive team to go, I just spent all this money on a thing you're never going to see, and it's going to prevent a thing that's never really happened here before, but could happen, happen to that other group. Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't get you that flashy workforce management system, or we didn't do an upgrade to the email systems, um, you know, which would have added some new functionality to make everybody's life a little easier. It's it's a hard conversation. So Alan, if it's okay, I'd love to ask the question. So we're bantering on this. Has anybody on this panel 
experience the concept of a BISO, Business Information Security Officer, that doesn't work directly for a CISO, but reports into business units, generally at very large corporations. I'm starting to see this where, you, to your point, Prasad, you have that central security organization, central IT organization, but all your business units are sitting over here. And how do they tie into that? And we're starting to see, at least I'm starting to see in the market, a heavy push to get, we used to call them deputy CISOs, but BSOs that are really business aligned have dotted lines into the office of the CISO or CSIO in our position and are helping to bridge the gap between the business needs and the security needs, the audit and compliance needs, and even the client facing, I need the security person to come out and have a conversation. It can't be the firewall admin. Um, great question, Matt. And I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that, right? Um, uh, let me explain some, some of the things that we are doing, right? So we actually have, and we don't call them BSOs, we call them more the security champions because the only way you can permeate a concept and do the organizational-wide change management is to have is to have a set of trusted advisors within the various functions who are, who know what you're trying to do and what 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 you're really trying to accomplish, and then they become the spokespersons to to kind of do the uh, the business change in, in in each of the various product organizations. Example: We have somebody in the HR organization who does that. We have somebody in the finance organization who thinks about that. Right now, when it comes to finance, it's uh, the, the 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 aspect there where it kind of crosses and doesn't cross because SOX really doesn't come under the 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 the, the CISO's purview but it comes under the CIO's purview, right? So which is where I'm using the SOX as a conversation starter to say, guys, don't just think about uh, financial security and financial reporting and segregation of duties and all of that. Start thinking about security also. So it is, it, that's the way we have tried to do it. We have not officially called it BSO, but I'm talking to a few candidates where, uh, as I'm continuing to build out the team, and I do see this, the, the, the BSO role becoming more and more prevalent, especially in large product organizations, where for one product line, you'll have a BSO and another BSO for another product line, all uh, dotted line reporting into, into the CISO. But well, I see them as champions. Yeah. It's a similar kind of concept like the office of the CTO, right? You'll typically have CTOs or whatever they call them in different parts of the organization. And then there's an office of the, C of the CTO that helps kind of bring it all together to try to get the economies of scale or directionally do things the same. It seems like a very natural evol evolution, Matt. I think maybe it's a healthy evolution for us. Yeah, I mean, I would argue, I think it, it <clears throat> would definitely relate in some way to size of organization and industry yeah. and market that they're in, okay? I mean, the organizations that I've worked in, you know, both both FireEye and Forescout, you know, reasonably small in the bigger scheme of things. You know, we felt like we were big, but, you know, we weren't that big. And so I guess what I, where I tried to spend more time was not trying to, so clearly with the products organization, having security uh, expertise and alignment and, and um, you know, integration was really important. With the other organizations, what we tried to do was, was really talk more in terms of risk and compliance, right? Not security, but, but risk and compliance, right? And making sure that they sort of understood for their world, what were the other risks that they needed to be thinking about or 
what compliance elements were they responsible for making sure? So whether it was SOX as an SOX or whether it was SOC as an SOC, right? HR has a responsibility. Facilities has a responsibility, right? And it was making sure that they absolutely understood what pieces of that they were ultimately responsible for making sure that there was policy and adherence to, um, you know, because of the audit aspect. So I think we're all kind of touching on the same thing, whether it was somebody part-time job, full-time job, you know, did it scale as the company scaled? Probably, but yeah, there's got to be way more than just the CISO and, and, and their team trying to make it all happen. You know what, guys, though? So for me, this whole discussion is one that needs to be framed in context. And the context is, is that modern organizations are under, you know, sort of are a planet where we have tectonic plates shifting all the time, right? When, when we look at the tectonic plate that is IT, that is information technology, look, three years ago, 50% of corporate executives still thought of it as a cost center, right? Their top priority for IT was cutting costs on it. How can I do IT cheaper? Because it's a cost center, right? So you had, we, we think of IT, all the IT people had it much better than the security people. They were more integrated. No, they were a cost center. They were, right? So that, that tectonic plate is shifting. IT is not a cost center. It's a profit generator. It makes our business. It's a business enabler. We can't do business without it. At the same time, a, maybe it was a smaller plate, but this plate of security, which had, you know, at one Maybe it was under the equator as pure infosec, but somehow shifted into the compliance and risk kind of mode, you know, maybe it was an ice age. I don't know, but it, it's melted now and emerged to be more than compliance and risk. It's truly security and it's butting up against this IT uh, enabler plate and a mountain are rising or out of it. Right. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of like the role of the CISO in, in Gene Kim's uh, Phoenix project, right. John. Where, <laughs> Yes, duh, exactly. And, you know, what a poor SOB that was. But, you know, that guy's gone. That guy has given way to the Prasad and to the Julie and the Mitchell and Matt of today, right? Because we, we live in this new map, this new earth, this new formulation of how what IT is, what security is, how it all relates to the broader business. Because at the same time, those plates were shifting. So were people, right? We don't talk about HR anymore. We talk about people, mm -hmm. right? It's about people. And, and we talk about the role of the board and the executive is, has changed. All, you know, we, we live on a very volcanic world here. Well, that explains oh, all right. the heat, steam, and lava. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. You know, look, we should, yeah, I was going to start singing my lava girl thing from Hawaii. But anyway, but, you know, we, we, we shouldn't forget this that we live in an ever changing kind of world. And all of these pieces somehow fit into each other. Right. And, and so I think that's what drives a lot of what we're seeing here today. When I the think question back to go, this earlier conversation about, hey, organizationally, where should, who cares? 
right? You're right. I mean, like if everybody understands that we must make this a priority, it must be embedded in the way we think, the way we build, the way we deploy, all these kind of things. Um, to your point about, hey, it's about people, right? And 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 you know, quite frankly, it's about take the agendas away and just be like, hey, what do we need to do for this organization, and what do we need to do for our customers? Um, and and that that needs to be more and more the dialogue, right? Because it's changing all the time. It's a cultural. I mean, this is about the. Culture. It really is cultural. Yeah, I agree. And if if you have a scenario where security, cyber, physical doesn't matter innovation, all of those kinds of things are baked in. To your point, I agree, it doesn't really matter. The only time I've seen where it can matter, uh, where that function is located is um, career paths and finding the right individual. And, and let's be honest, it matters in some way, right? You have to have an org structure. I'm, I'm not trying to be so like, none of it matters. Everybody just mm -hmm. works for themselves type thing. I totally agree with you. But I think sometimes there's a little too much energy on, you know, hey, should this be in engineering? Should it be in, you know, and then you're really kind of like, do we all agree this is really important? <laughs> and that we're going to start bringing security in much earlier in the architecture and design you know, elements of what we're doing as a company, if we can all agree on that, I really don't care. Take it, have it report to you. I'm good. That was the yeah. reason I started devops.com, Julie, because yeah. that yeah. was my vision that I don't care. As long as if we could get security further left, more involved, more integrated, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, but we also, you know, I didn't envision then the world now. <laughs> right. Or maybe I did, but I didn't think it would happen this quick. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the, if you look at the, going back to the geological references uh, uh, to what you were saying, right, we are experiencing a seismic shift in terms yeah. of companies moving away from traditional uh, uh, big tools on-prem to now everybody's SaaS and cloud, right? Thanks to the pandemic, people may have had a four or five year roadmap. It all happened in one year and they, they, they pretty much had to do what they had to do to keep the business running, right? So technology is also adding a, a, a dimension in terms of org design and in terms of the, the, the operational model, right? Because the tools which would have normally worked in an on-prem type of an environment don't necessarily work in an in a, in a, in a all SaaS or all cloud uh, type of an environment, which means the, the role of the modern CIO and the CISO has also emerged to now be able to handle what the uh, what is being uh, the cards that have been dealt to them, right? Which is basically now a completely SaaS-based um, environment where you you now are relying not just on what you bring to the table, but now are relying and putting the onus on another vendor who's a SaaS vendor to provide um, and and cover your bacon, right? Um, so it is basically your your uh, it, it's all about risk arbitrage, right? Uh, which which is the risk that you want to uh, absorb. So that's that's also having a a, a determination on the organizational structure and where the role fits in to be able to handle this new dynamic that we are, we are experiencing. But actually, so real quick on top of that, because I agree, but it also changes again, I think to the point that we're coming to here is it doesn't really matter as long as whomever that function reports to believes they have to believe in cyber. It can't be the afterthought. It can't be the, you, you're over there, leave me alone. I'm focused over here. As long as that doesn't happen, I agree. But to your point, it also changes the entire corporate conversation because the move to home, and we've had episodes on this, 
it changes well, where's privacy now? Where's compliance? Where's ethics? What can a CISO do? It was very easy for the cyber exec and all of us. When you came into the office, that's my machine. I'll do whatever we want. I will monitor. We can see your eat. Well, now that machine's sitting in a home. Did you put the proper controls? Are we able to look at that machine when it's in a home? How are you doing remote? I mean, these other things start coming out, which is again, why it's culture to be able to figure out what can I do? Because country A and country B could have very different laws that people in the typical CISO, CIO functions, we're not lawyers, never have been lawyers. I've never studied law and I've never stayed at a holiday in express to say, I was a lawyer for a weekend, right? It's not my forte. And if I fight with my legal team or I don't have an alliance, cultural alliance with my legal team, I could expose the corporation to risk, even though I'm the one that's supposed to be rooting risk out. You know, I I guess COVID is the asteroid that hit our planet we're talking about. But uh, (laughs) what I was thinking about, Matt, is that you know, some people place importance based on the level in the organization. We've kind of gone through that transition with security yet, but getting elevated to a point where it's conversations with the board, uh, it's at a C level or, or something close to that. I'm not sure if it if it's, doesn't matter where it reports as much as it's really about integrating security across the business. So, Julie, your point of it makes most sense to be here. It makes most sense to be in product or engineering or wherever it is because so much that 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 touches so much more in the organization and it's the risk where the risk is biggest to the company good point point. so i'm not sure if i was just agreeing with you matt as much as thinking about yeah i can report anywhere because it it matters most where's it going to be most effective so Mm -hmm. we've been touching around a subject then and i think one of the interesting questions to ask then is, okay, and let's just go with Fortune 1000, Fortune 2000, right? Because it's going to be different on non-public companies to public companies, the fortunes than the non-fortunes. But who should be helping to make those decisions of where it should sit? Shouldn't be the CIO, it shouldn't be the CISO. So who makes the decision? Is it the board? Is it the CEO? You know, you know, and and depending on the answer to that question, there may not be one answer. It could be it depends. But then how do we help educate them as practitioners so that they can make the decision? Or is that a stupid question? No, it's not a stupid question, Matt. Um, If you look at overall the 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 responsibility of the board, right, the board has apart from one. guiding the company through the various phases of the evolution of the company they actually provide the independence which public markets are looking for right from the from a from a role and responsibility of the board to make sure that the company has got a good solid risk management posture right because they're people don't just look at the leadership team when people are working with companies they look at um, who's the board behind this because they're looking for that independence they're looking for that oversight right so I would say the board has a huge role to play in terms of the design of where this uh, belongs. And internally within the organization, it could be in any, uh, um, any of the verticals like, like, like we have talked about, right? But at the end of the day, the, the CISO role is accountable to the board because they need to have that open, honest, intellectually honest conversation. They need to be transparent to the board to be able to have the, um, uh, uh, give the board the comfort level that the, the company is managing 
um, to the risks that are the, that the company is exposed to, right? So I would say the board has a big role to play. After which, the actual design of where it is organizationally uh, would be with the with, with the with the C-suite leadership, right? Um, I, I totally to agree with you. I, I think the board's job is to make sure that there is clarity around what is the risk posture. Are we measuring the right risks? Are we comfortable? Um, organizationally, they've got to have a management team in place that can make the right decisions as it relates to that. Um, of course, the CISO needs to feel comfortable that they can, you know, direct line to, you know, the board as necessary or to the enterprise risk committee or wherever they report up into that they, they feel like they have a voice uh, as well if they're not seeing what they think they need. Um, but, you know, it's so much of this is about does the company understand what the non-financial risks are? And what are they doing about it? Well, the, 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 here's, here's the Achilles heel to this. What makes you think the board understands what the hell the CISO's talking about or what we're talking about, right? One of the trends I'm seeing is that boards now, public company boards, large enterprise boards, are looking for board members with cyber experience because someone there has to, you know, at least if I'm going to have a committee around risk and non, you know, financial risk, as you say, Julie, I got to have someone to lead that committee who knows what the heck I'm taught, you know, knows what it is. So, you know, when we say, well, we, it's, you know, we throw it on the board, like the board is this magical kind of thing. We, we need board members who get this. And without it, you know, if, if, you know, if the CISO falls in the forest, but there's no board members who understand it, did he really or she really fall? Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, we, this is, I think, going to be the next area when we talk about the, the expanding role of the CISO is how do we, how do we get our boards up to speed? Our boards aren't configured correctly to interpret and handle what, what our, executives our c levels are giving them yep my it, two cents <laughs> excellent point Darren. yeah I, I think you're right uh, i i think i wouldn't be on two boards if it wasn't for those boards recognizing we don't have anyone on this that really can can help us manage these things and they're learning along the way um but also sometimes i think not knowing too much isn't a bad thing as well as long as you're asking the right questions Yep, and yeah. ask the right questions. And to your point, that you have someone to talk to so that you can understand what a good answer sounds like. Um, it's funny when I'm I'm giving private con consultations and having these conversations. We a lot of people are like, "What ten questions should I ask?" I'm like, "Well, that's not the big question. It's what ten answers should you expect from?" Yeah. That's the bigger thing because if you ask me a question and I tell you forty two, do you know if that? Yeah. Jackie no. Robinson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you look at uh, a, a parallel of, um, uh, I know I'm going to quote more of a financial construct here, right? Boards before 2003 knew nothing about SOX, right? Um, when SOX came out, boards then started understanding what, 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 what um, the impact of financial compliance and making sure that you're now able to get a, get a good set of uh, numbers which are more predictable and, and accurate, right? So that's what SOX 302 and 404 uh, uh, determined. Board members learned that, and that, that was the birth of what we call the audit committee, right? Where they, they now are monitoring what the, what the CFO is saying and monitoring what the internal controls are. 
um, we will see we will see emergence of that, especially now with with technology shifting, right? We are saying like to, to Julie's point, right? Now Julie is part of a few of the boards, right? And I'm I'm advising a few a, a few companies. You'll see now the desire for the leadership team within companies to bring industry experts into their board who are now able to have a seat at the table to determine what security strategy needs to be and are able to ask the right questions and know what the right answers are as well, right? Um, and have a business background, right? And have a business background. The role of the CISO has changed so much. If if you were a firewall admin last year, and I'm not knocking firewall administration, right? These There's are, not enough of them. They're hard to hire. They are massively <laughs> hard to hire. But if you're expecting that person to go from being very technical to being very business public speaking, that's a different person. Yeah. yeah. It's it, and we have a long road because there are also not a lot of business level CISOs in the market these days, which is why we always have the three letters joke when it comes to CISOs. And I won't bore everybody with that that joke now, but a lot of people know what I'm, I'm talking about. So, you know, we're working on something about that here at MediaOps. We'll, we'll talk about it. guys. I got to pull the plug on us, though. I'm sorry. We're overtime. Oh. And it's not like we're the Bill Maher show and we could go on YouTube for, you know, overtime. But we will be back in two more weeks with another great CISO talk. But for now, Prasad Rama, Ramakrishnan, Julie Cullivan, thank you for joining us. And this is a great discussion. We're going to we'll run it back and continue this. We'll get Jody, uh, our associate producer, to make it happen. Mitchell, Matthew, as always, thank you for sitting in and, and adding to this so much to the discussion. Thanks this is Alan Schimmel. Me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Come back again, please. This is Alan Schimmel for Media Ops and CISO Talk. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another great CISO Talk. But until then, be safe and be well. Take care.